Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, though not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, for he saith unto him, Come out of the man, thy unclean spirit. And they asked him, What is thy name? And he said, He answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Neither was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil And also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Know the Lord. Without a blessing to the reading of his own inspired word. But let's just buy another word of prayer. Father, take this now and apply it through your spirit to every heart. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. We looked last week at how when Legion met the Lord, we did spend quite a a bit of time around the part where it says in verse 2, And when he, the Lord Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And we looked at how out of the ship comes Jesus and out of the tomb comes a man with an unclean spirit. We looked at how when a man or a woman take their stand for Christ, when a man and woman 
preach the gospel. When a man and a woman or a woman and they take their stand and wherever place they are, they witness, they testify for Christ. Out of the tomb you'll find of all manner of people immediately will come opposition. Generally found through unclean spirits. Men and women not wanting to know the gospel of grace. Not men and women not wanting to hear the ways of the Lord. Men and women not wanting to know anything of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor his glory, nor his person. But rather you'll find that no matter what we do now in 2014, there's always open opposition. When Christians take their stand against sin, immorality, perversion or corruption, out of the tombs you'll find comes opposition. Out of the tombs of political correctness and out of the tombs of ungodliness and out of the tombs of atheism and out of the tombs of humanism and so on comes opposition to the gospel. And out of the ship comes Christ. And as soon as he is standing forth, as soon as he is set forth, then comes opposition. And be aware, Christian, especially young Christian, as soon as you make your calling and election sure, and you come to Christ and you give your life to Christ, you will find opposition. You may find opposition from your family. You may find opposition from your denomination you're going back to. You might find opposition from your surrounding friends or your work colleagues. You'll always find there will be opposition against the word of God. We looked at another lovely point last week where it says there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. In other words, Christ sees a man with an unclean spirit. We may tend to see a maniac, a troublemaker, a demoniac, a dangerous character. We see all manner of people who we would maybe want to attack back or we maybe want to get our pound of flesh against. But here Christ sees a man first. In other words, Christ sees a person. He sees a soul in need of help, a soul in need of salvation. Let us remember That every time we look at someone, no matter their persuasion is the word I used last week, let us remember that they are a soul who are in need of the gospel. They're a soul in need of salvation. They're a soul in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told also, we look thirdly at the man's chains in verse 3. And we're told that no man could bind him No, not with chains. Now, we took you through the Greek meanings. We'll not do it again. And it shows the idea of how the man was not bound just by his hands, but he was bound completely by his hands and his feet. And in fact, the word here for feet or fetters comes from the Anglo-Saxon word fot or fet for feeters, meaning he was bound, chained, unloosable from hands and feet. And it gives the idea of a well done complete work. Notice that. It gives the idea of a well done complete work. Man's well done and complete work wasn't enough. For we're told that the man plucked asunder the very chains that bound him and broken pieces by him. And neither, notice, could any man tame him. Verse 5 then we looked at also, our next point was that this man was in torment. That this man was in deep, dire distress. That this man really needed someone greater than him. 
He needed someone greater than the devil who lived within him. He needed someone who could set him free. He could break the physical chains, but he could not break the spiritual chains. For there was a legion of demons in this man. And we looked at how this man, even though he was strong through these demons, could break the chains asunder, how this man, he couldn't break the fetters of the devil. And how man without Christ and how man outside of Christ are weak and are unable to break the chains of darkness in which they are bound. Notice we're told, and always in night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. The word crying is the word crazo, an articulate screaming it means, an articulate cry. It gives the idea of an of an unarticulate rather cry incapable of being expressed by words. The noises that this man was making, it says, and always, and always, night and day, or day and night, this man was always making a crying noise because he was tormented so much. This man was in such distress. This man who was looking for someone to save him, This man who was waiting, was there ever any hope at all? This man who most likely had given up. This man who had a legion of devils, demons within him. This man always, day and night, or night and day, this man was crying with an unexplainable cry. And we took you also to that Greek word, which cannot be expressed by by words, We took you how the Lord Jesus himself, when he cried from the cross, when he cried out at his passion, and after he cried, into thy hands I commend my spirit, he cries with a loud voice and gives up the ghost. And it's the same word. It means not that he shrieked and not that he cried as though he was afraid. It gives the idea, God crying out unto God, as it were. He is almighty God crying out over Jerusalem, Here it gives the idea there was an unexplicable, unexplainable cry from the very depths of the belly of God on a cross. And we can't explain that. The Greek can't explain it. But we're told it was a cry which is an incapable cry which is expressed by words. So the man here, we're told the man's pain and sorrow and torment and hurt and suffering was unimaginable, it was inarticulate, it was indescribable, it was unexplainable, it was continual, it was perpetual, it was unrelenting. Verse 5 says, and always, night and day. Notice that. Here's a little thought that I had when I, when I had written this down. Oh, if this is just a snapshot of an earthly life of torment, What must eternity be like for the Christ rejecter in that day? Verse 6, we have the Lord Jesus. Verse 6 tells us that this man's hope comes up the shore, steps off the boat. And this man's hope of the hopeless, the help of the helpless, Christ who is the head of all principalities and powers, 
we're told he steps onto the shore and says, but when he seen, saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. This is where we'll start our, our, our part two from giving a run-in from last week's. This man sees Jesus. And from the tombs immediately, he runs down to meet him. But when he saw him afar off, Sometimes you see people think that to see Christ to be saved means to, 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 see, to hear a, a great sound from heaven, to see a great flashing light. Some people think it means to feel a great moving of the earth and an earthquake. Some people think it has to be so dramatic. But oh friend, just to see the cross of Christ and your only hope in Christ and salvation in Christ, even afar off as it were, run to him. Run to him and you'll find it's there. You'll find your salvation and there you'll find your redemption and there you'll find your hope and there you'll find your strength. This man afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And great scholars such as Robertson and Swede, they give the idea that he came yelling as a maniac toward the Lord with hostile intentions at the start. In other words, the demons drove the man and the man whom Christ saw with uh, the unclean spirit. Christ is looking at him and sees a man in need of help. The demons look at Christ and see a man who's going to be helped. And he runs down, as it were, with hostile intentions toward the Lord Jesus. And as he runs down, we're told... The closer he gets in the reading, he falls at the feet of Jesus. You see, the closer he came to Christ, the grace, the power, and the anointing of Christ overwhelmed the man. I want to say it again. I want you to get it. The closer he got to Christ, the grace and the power And the anointing of Christ overwhelmed the man. Greater than the demons overwhelmed the man. And what am I saying? What I'm saying is whatever troubles you, friend. Brothers and sisters, whatever comes your way. Whatever trials you face. Whatever heartache you have. Whatever hurts, whatever pains, whatever disappointments. If you go to Christ, the closer you get to him. That which is troubling you, that which is harming you, that which is hindering you, and that which is hurting you, it will be overcome by the grace and the power and the glory of the Lord. The closer we are as a church, the closer we are as an assembly here in Donna the closer you and I can get to the presence of the Lord, i.e. when God is in the midst and we press in, closer we can get, the more he will overcome us. The more he will overcome the body that needs healed. And the more he will overcome the spirit that torments people that come in. And the more he will overcome the mind that is troubled because of the things they've left at home before they came. And the closer as an assembly we get, the more power we'll see, the more we'll realize it's all in Christ. Getting closer to him. When the Spirit of God was moving in here, 
Just this evening, can you honestly say, Lord, I got close to you? Did you get close enough that you would get on your knees to worship? I don't want to make a fool of myself and you weren't close enough. And you weren't close enough. Here we have this man, he falls the feet of Christ. The Greek text gives the idea, according to Robertson and Sweet, listen to what it says, it wasn't the legion or the demonic force which fell down and worshipped, but it was the man who fell under the power of God. It was the man who fell under the power of God. And these Greek scholars are, are explaining this to us. The legions were, the legion of demons and devils were against him. But the man came and the power of God, the grace of Christ, the majesty of the God and flesh who stood before them. They were rebelling against him. But the man was overcome by the presence of Christ. It's like that old hymn writer. I remember our brother Willie Hanning used to quote it all the time. Jesus is greater than Satan and sin. And Satan to Jesus must buy. Friend, listen. The devil, the devil, the devil. Never mind the devil. He's a defeated foe. Get close to Christ. Get close to him. Stop giving the devil glory. Get close to Christ. Oh, the devil's tormenting me. Listen, the devil's nobody. Get close to Christ. Blood-washed child of God. Sons and daughters of the living God in Christ. Get close to Christ. The devil is a defeated foe. Calvary says it all. Here, we see him fall before the Lord. You see, just before Christ had got off the ship, the night before, read it when you go home. The night before was when the disciples were in the ship and the, the sea was coming in and the waves and the storm. We know the story and Jesus comes and he speaks to that storm and he, he calms the storm. Uh, in Mark chapter 5 and verse 39, it, the Lord says to it, Peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now that sounds beautiful and that sounds lovely. But the master of the sea and the God over all storms, he walks upon that which others sink and he comes to the men in a ship who are in deep dire need and fearful at heart for they're going to sink. He steps in with them and he speaks, peace be still. It gives the idea he speaks, shut up and be muzzled. That's the way it reads. He shouts it into the storm, the word. No storm. Starts to die. In fact, it just doesn't stop. The idea is it beats itself out. As though it's attacking the boat. But with Christ in the vessel, they could smile at the storm. And it beats itself out. It keeps coming and it just patters and peters itself out till there's a calm. That's the idea of it. 
Now they've come to the other side. They've got out of the ship. Their peace and their tranquility that I spoke of in, in, in the part one is now broken by this demonic maniac running toward them. A man with an unclean spirit. And as he comes running down, he falls at the feet of Jesus. Verse 9 says, he asked him, what is thy name? And he answers saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now I see again in the Greek text here, what is thy name? For, for, uh, my name's Legion, for we are many. It doesn't read like that. Jesus said, as the man was bowing before him, falling down under the anointing of God, and the legion was, it was rebelling against God. Jesus says, what is thy name? 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 That's where it reads. He keeps saying, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? I want to tell you something. He knew the name. He was bringing that demon under his authority. You stand up and be counted. What's your name? Adam, where art thou? Do you think the Lord didn't know where Adam was? Of course he did. It's just like when he calls you, he wants you to come to his presence and be open and honest with him and tell him all you need to tell him. What is thy name? We're told that it's in rebellion. The legion is going, no, I'm not going to tell you. He's not going to say what is your name? What is your name? And then he comes under authority of Christ. My name is Legion, for we are many. The spokesperson steps forward from a, a, a legion of demons. Now, a legion is said to be around 6,000 in number. But the main thought approximately is not only 6,000, but in areas, and it can give the idea of multitudinous or many, a large number. But this is what it really signifies to when we speak of legion. A legion can simply mean a large number, but also it means or speaks of or signifies a, 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 an emblem of irresistible power and a multitude organized into unity. I want you to get that again. It signifies it signified as an emblem of irresistible power and a multitude organized into unity. In other words, all these demons have gathered together, gathered toward the Christ of God. A legion of them, 6,000 or maybe more, and they're gathered together against the Son of God. And when they're gathered together, it says, it gives the idea that they're gathering to strengthen themselves with all they have before Him. But the closer they get to the majesty of Christ, the more they realize that he is almighty God himself. And no power can stand against him. No power can stand against him. This word here, it's an emblem of irresistible power and a, mul- and a multitude organized into unity. They gathered as one. I know how the Lord's enemies like to gather as one against the Lord's anointed. And how they like to gather together. I think of Herod, who gathered together with the chief priests and the Pharisees of the Jewish religion. And I think of how Pilate came on board and together they hated each other. The three groups would never speak to each other. 
Yet they gathered together against our Lord to crucify him. Don't be surprised, brethren, sisters, when those who hate the gospel and hate our Lord Jesus Christ gather together against him, against you. This word legion of, it's also used of our Lord in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53. When he says, think not that I could now call to my father. And he would give, listen, 72,000 angels it means. Legions of angels. 72,000, 12 legions of angels. I'll give you a legion each, boys, for one of every tribe of Israel. I'll give you a legion each if you want. That's who he is. He says, going to the cross. I could, I could rid myself of the Roman Empire and of Herod and of Annas and Caiaphas and the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. I could rid myself of the whole lot of them. He says, but as for me, if I called 72,000 angels, they could destroy the whole of mankind and its existence. He had come to die on a cross for you. He had come to die on a cross for me. To redeem us back to our Father. This legion, this this power was too great for this man and for all who tried. They tried to chain him. And they tried to tame him. But now this day was a day of salvation for this man. This was a day of deliverance, a day of cleansing. This is a day when Legion had met more than as much. This was a day when Legion met the Lord. I trust tonight that every one of us have met the Lord. But not met him as a judge, for that will come. But met him as their saviour. And as their sin bearer. Notice what verse 7 of our reading says. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. This is the idea he's running toward the Lord Jesus. The man is starting to buckle down under the power of God. And the demons then are realizing, Jesus, don't torment us. Our unity is not strong enough against the power of heaven. And in verse 12 we're told, And all the devils besought him. Notice, And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Told he leads and kept asking. It's the idea is the legion of demons kept all the devils kept crying out. They besought him. The idea is they kept saying it over and over and over again. They kept asking. They kept pleading. Let us even go into the swine. Please don't cast us out. Verse 13 says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. Notice he says he gave them leave. It does not say he cast them out. I want you to take note of that. Verse 13 says, and forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. The idea in verse 12 is that the devils are now going into a frantic panic. And Jesus gave them leave. He didn't cast them out. In other words, they had come so close to Christ 
The man has now come under the power of God to be released and delivered by the power of God. And the demons had to get out of the road. And they were in a frantic panic before Christ. And he just says, go. Jesus stepped out of the ship to meet this man, to help him and save the man who would come out of the tombs. The legion will be dealt with, which went into the swine. They ran down a steep hill and they were drowned. And the legion will be dealt with and judged when God deems the time fit and right. Notice they went into the swine, which also was an unclean animal. The Lord used an unclean vessel for an unclean spirit. Here's what I've written. Are you hiding in the tombs? The tomb of unbelief. Maybe you're hiding in the tomb of hurt. Maybe someone's hiding in a tomb of stubbornness. Do you know what one of the biggest tombs is for the dead? We spoke on it last week. The tomb of religion. A tomb of fear and a tomb of torment. Maybe there's someone and they're hiding, they're bound in a tomb of addiction. Unclean spirit of addiction has you. Maybe you're bound up and no man can help you. They even try to bind you to keep you away from things. But you find you're able to always find that fix. And break free of man's hold on you. You know what you need. You know who you need. You need Christ. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in a tomb of addiction, I'm not trying to hurt you or offend you. I'll tell you what I'm, why I'm not trying to hurt you or offend you. Because I was bound by an unclean spirit in a tomb of addiction myself. Got to the place where I was crying and always, night and day, I was in my own tomb where people tried to help me, bound me, as it were, with fetters and chains and all philosophies and theories and, and all manners of help. But I broke them free and found my addiction. Until one day I seeing Christ coming up my shore. I ran to him and he set me free. He sets the captive free. He releases the prisoners. He takes them from bondage. Maybe you're in, as a Christian, you're in a tomb alone, the devil to tell you you're not up to much and God can't use you. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not worth anything. They're all tombs to be held in. Jesus gave his life for you, shed his blood for you. What shall a profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? In other words, your soul is more precious more valuable. Listen, friend. Listen, believer, who has been bought with the blood. Understand how precious you are in the sight of God. 
Understand those who are backslidden in heart, who are wayward and have walked away and cold and indifferent. You are loved by him. You're worth more than this world can afford. For he shed his blood and only the blood of Jesus could redeem you. And pay the penalty of your debt and your sin. I'm closing. I will do a third. Evening, God willing, next week. Maybe you're hiding in a tomb this evening. Will you come out to Christ and come out for Christ? And if you do, you'll have an encounter with Christ when you meet him. You'll lose the chains that bind you and he will set you free. Legion entered the great herd of swine and as I said, they went down a steep hill and are drowned in the sea. The pig herders run toward the Lord, away from the Lord and get others and come back and they start to tell them what had happened. And they find the man that had the legion of demons, listen, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed and he was on his right mind. <laughs> Only Christ could do it. Jesus, Jesus only. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed and in his right mind. Such is the man and woman who come to him. Trust in him. God willing. Next Lord's Day evening. We'll start there at this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. Being clothed. And in his right mind. Heavenly Father, we can do nothing but love him and worship him and thank you for him. Thank you for his precious blood which has bought us back to you. Lost sheep, Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to take this word to every ear that will hear, to every heart that will receive, and that you would glorify him through and in all things. For in his name we ask it and give you the glory. Amen. Gary, will you come up and close for us?